Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap offering right now. Can we do that? Come on, can we give Jesus the biggest shout of praise right now? Thank you, Lord. Well, you can remain standing. We're going to open up God's word. Amen. I love opening up God's word. You know, the Bible, really, it's called God's word. But all words residing is in your mind. And so when you open up your Bible, you're actually opening up the mind of God. If you want to know what God thinks about you, just open up the Bible. You want to know what he wants, what he's going to say about your situation? Open up your Bible. If you want to know what he's going to say about your marriage, open up your Bible. It's the mind of God. And just think about this. Everywhere you get to go, you take this book with you. You're taking the mind of God. That's why every time I went, when I get up in the morning and have my devotion time, I open up my Bible. I said, Lord, thank you that you're letting me in your thoughts. You're letting me in your mind. That's why the Bible says, put on the mind of Christ. Amen. Well, we're honored to be here. We love your pastors. They are amazing. They are the, they are the longest standing pastors. Ha, come on, right? They've endured. And, you know, I said that about, you know, I said that about last night. And, 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 and you'll know today and tomorrow, you'll have a deeper understanding of what I'm about to say. And a few months ago, I was in prayer and the Spirit of God spoke to me so clear and began to show me. Now, when Pastor Jim LaFoon comes, he reads your life like a Wikipedia, you know. I've seen him where he doesn't know any, like he didn't know none of my friends. And my man just like, bam, right? And I sit there and I go, I wish I could do that. And you got, you know, Dr. Darius, he's revelation and you got you know jimmy rollins he's he's gonna preach the house down he's gonna sweat have two sweat rags and you know the body of christ is full of gifts you got bj putnam in i mean the man's a, a, he's a psalmist right not a worship leader he's a psalmist he brings a prophetic gift and shifts atmospheres right and but for me i'm a seer God gives me the ability to see things and then bring them back and put steps and strategy and systems into it, right? That, that's the way God wired me. So when God speaks to me prophetically, he's speaking to me, well, babe, that's what I'm about to do for the church over the next three years or whatever it may look like. And the Lord spoke to me and he showed me something, but what was different was he didn't take me forward until he took me back. And he showed me that you know, in the 80s, it was popular to have your own ministry, you know, Joyce Meyer Ministries. Everybody's ministry was named after themselves. And that era is closing. And not because a new generation is coming, but because a new movement's coming. And the new movement that is coming are not going to be preachers who in some degree are just popular. You're going to see men of God whose God's going to expand their platforms that have lasted. We don't need the popular. 
we need the proven. The people that have gone through the fire. Come on and still don't got a scent of smoke. People that got more greater character than they do anointing. People and pastors that love to pray more than they love to preach. They love the prayer closet more than the platform. And I think God's raising people up like that. And I said it, man, it's, it's beautiful when you watch what God's doing here at this church. You guys are always opening up new campuses, raising up new leaders. Because your pastors have lasted. And that's what I admire the most about Pastor Jacob, Pastor Michelle, Eugene, Pastor Eugene, and Pastor Heidi. What I admire the most, not their gifting. They've lasted. You know they're going to be here tomorrow. Come on, somebody, right? Come on, can we honor your pastors right now? Honor their longevity. That's what I honor right there, your longevity. Because we don't need any more just preachers. We need fathers. We need apostolic leaders that are willing to toil the grounds, not just build a church, but take territory. Come on, we just don't want to erect buildings. We want devils to know we're showing up to some cities. Come on, right? Well, I feel the anointing already. Ooh, Rabbi. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel chapter 12. Remain standing. Ezekiel chapter 12. I won't be long, but I will be strong. Ezekiel chapter 12, beginning in verse 21. And the Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that your people have about the land of Israel, which says the days are prolonged and every vision fails? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, the days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. For no more shall there be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord. I speak. And the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed. For in your days, O rebellious house... I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord God. I want to speak to you over the next few minutes a message I've entitled, Life After the Letdown. Life After the Letdown. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spirit of revelation and give our minds illumination that we would experience transformation. God, I pray. You give us a mind to perceive and a heart to receive all that you have. And I ask that after this message, we will never be the same. In Jesus' name, come on. And all the people that showed up, even beyond the weather, say amen. And amen and amen. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, there's life after the letdown. Come on, give them a high five and tell them there's life after the letdown. One of the, some of the greatest prophets in the Bible that, 
that really we admire the most are not the prophets that gave us sweet honey or the words that would flatter us, but it's really the prophets that stood between what was and what would be. And those prophets in the Bible usually came after a prophet in some degree spoke and nothing happened. Today, the church in some degree has heard so many messages. We've been given all kinds of prophetic words. And in some degree, we have, we have anchored our life on some promises that were spoken because they were sweet to our ears, but they did not come from the Lord. And so you have people today that have been disappointed. And because of their disappointment, they've missed out on their divine appointment. Because the, because the devil knows that he can't defeat you, so what he does is he distracts you. And when he distracts you, the, reason, the way he distracts you is that he delays what God has promised for your life. Because he understands that if he can't defeat you, he can distract you and delay you, then you'll just give up because you're too tired waiting for the promises of God. And so what happens is, is that Ezekiel found himself in a very familiar situation that he was standing between what was prophesied before and what God wanted to say about the future. But the problem was, was the fact that the people did not want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it not because it wasn't the word of God, but they did not want to hear it but because they didn't want to be set up once again for disappointment. Like in other words, preacher, don't come and tell me something that God's going to do it and yet I'm just going to find myself being disappointed all over again. And so what happens is, is that we don't have a church anymore that's expecting miracles because things begin to happen. We got some people in church that are weary and tired because they're frustrated and disappointed that what they thought God was about to do, he hasn't done it yet. Come on, can I really preach like I want to today? And so we're not leaning in into the presence of God with expectation. We're actually held straight up because of disappointment. We're sitting there and we're sit wondering, God, if you really said it, then why haven't you done it? And so what happens is, is that it began to put God in a category of the prophets that were claiming he was speaking. And then therefore, the word of the Lord became inconsistent. It became inconsistent because what was said did not happen. We've all been there before. Heard a word. Got a word. Got inspired by one. Walked in it and believed in it. And yet it did not come to pass. You get frustrated you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and then all of a sudden you get disappointed. And now you're sitting there and you're, instead of you leaning in, you're leaning back. 
And instead of sitting there saying, I can't wait for the Lord of what the Lord's about to do, we sit there and we wonder what is the Lord actually going to do. But one of the things that we got to understand is that God is consistent even in inconsistent times. God is constant. Matter of fact, God is even predictable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he cannot change. Someone who's the same yesterday, today, and forever that cannot change is predictable. And he's consistent even in inconsistent times. And so one of the things that we can recognize and anchor our faith on is not necessarily what others have said, but the consistency of God's word. And if God said it, come on somebody, you know he's about to do it. And so even when we're feeling at times things are inconsistent, it's when we can anchor our faith on the constancy of God. That God's word, he says, heaven and earth will pass away before my word does. He says in Isaiah 55 verse 11, I sent my word. And when I send my word, it will accomplish what I sent it out to do. When I, can I, I came all the way from California to tell you that you're about to get delivered from your disappointments because God's about to give you another divine appointment in Jesus' name. Come on, do I got some people that are excited about that? See, Ezekiel came, and this is why later on in Ezekiel chapter 37, after he got the people to believe once again, he was sent to a field that was just nothing but bones. And the Bible says that it was an exceedingly great army. It wasn't just an army, it was an exceedingly great army. So what God was saying was something different than what Ezekiel was seeing. God, Ezekiel was seeing a bunch of dead bones, but God was saying this is an exceedingly great army. In other words, what God is saying is the fact that even though what you may be seeing is seeing something different than what God is saying, but what God says cannot change. If God calls you blessed, you're going to be blessed. If God calls you favored, you're going to be favored. If God says your family's going to get saved, your family's going to get saved. Why? Because God is consistent even in in inconsistent times. And this is why he told Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak to them. Because you're going to learn that when your words line up with what I'm saying, things begin to change. Things begin to happen. See, the devil knows that when you get disappointed, you begin to speak contrary to what the Word of God says. Instead of speaking faith, you're speaking doubt. Instead of speaking peace, you're speaking chaos. And God is about to revolutionize the church because he's a consistent God. You see, God said to Ezekiel, the days are now that I will fulfill every vision. God sat there and says, I'm sending you to the children of Israel, and I know they're disappointed. But I want you to tell them, the days are now that I will fulfill every vision. He says, the word which I speak will come to pass. 
he says, listen, what was postponed is about to be restarted. And he says, and I will say the word and perform it. How can God come in and say what he said? It's simple. Because God has the ability to see now and next at the same time. That the kind of God we serve, you being here now, God sees over there what's next. And the reality is, is that most of the time when God speaks to us, he's never speaking to us from our now to the next. He's always speaking to us from our next back to the now. That's why God can always tell you when you fall, get yourself back up because there's a prize on the other side. Why? Because God knows your now and your next in Jesus' name. This is why he tells you, keep on walking, keep on going. You say, but man, you don't understand the stuff I'm going through. He says, no, I know what's next just as much as I know what's going on now. That's why I can tell you that he who has begun a good work inside of you is faithful to complete it to the end. Why? Because he's a consistent God even in inconsistent times in Jesus' name. And so God has the ability to see what's now and next at the same time. This is why Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he says, let us not get weary while doing good. For in what? Due season. You shall reap if you do not, you do not lose heart. In other words, you're going to get there. The only way you're not is that you lose your heart. When you lose your heart, you lose your vision. When you lose your vision, you lose your blessing. And he's saying, no, 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 you can't, you can't get weary. You say, Pastor Obed, what do I do when I get weary? I start to worship. That's what I start to do. Why? Because the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about that the goal of the enemy is to get you weary. This is exactly what, what, what the devil did to Elijah. How is it that in one chapter, chapter 18, Elijah can kill 450 prophets of Baal? But the next chapter, he's running away from one woman. Why? Because at the end of the day, battles drain you. And you get weary and you get tired and you need energy. And the devil knows that he can't kill you, so he wears you down. And when he wears you down, he tires you out. This is why he always tries to bring disappointment to you. Because this is why disappointment always leads to delays. Because at the end of the day, his goal is, let me wear you down, let me tire you out, and then I'll strike you when you're weak. It's the way he works. And so this is why Paul is saying, your, your season may seem inconsistent, but just know your God is consistent in inconsistent times. That if he said it, come on somebody, you're going to get there. Hell or high water, you're going to get to the place God called you to because God is in your now and your next at the same time in Jesus. Boy, I feel the anointing right now. This is why Paul writes in Hebrews, he says in Hebrews 10, 23, he says, Lord, let us hold tightly. Matter of fact, that word in the Greek, pastor, it means, to, it means close to my chest. He says, let us, 
let us hold tightly, closely, without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. There's some times in your life that you got to just sit there and stand on the word of God. You're going through some stuff. You're, it seems inconsistent, but you're standing on the consistency of God's word. But then there'll be some seasons where you've been standing, but now you got to hold it closely because the devil's going to try to rob that word from you. You got to sit there and say, devil, you can't rob the word that God has given me because I'm holding it tightly right now. You're holding it tight. I found myself in seasons when God gave me a word and I'm saying, God, when is it going to happen? He says, that's not for you to worry about. He says, it's, he says, if I said it, it's going to happen. I'm not your friends that tell you one thing and then change their mind after a while. He says, no, I'm God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a covenant-keeping God. Matter of fact, I didn't even include you in it because I know you would break it. I just invited you into it to reap the benefits. And I'll say, oh, what do I got? He says, you got to hold on to the word. You got to hold on to the promise. Friends, the devil is after taking the word that God has given you. You got to hold on to it. Matter of fact, that word, watch this. Oh, you won't get excited. That word, put that scripture back up. That, that word, watch this. Let us hold tightly, close to my chest without wavering. The hope that it says, it says we affirm. That word affirm means to come into an agreement with. Like, 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 if he said it, I agree it. I agree with it. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall sit on for I'm with. I agree with that. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I agree with that. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. I agree with that. When the enemy comes like a flood, the Spirit of God raises a standard up again. I agree with that. If God is for me, who can be against me? I agree with that. Although, oh, watch this. My children are far, but they shall come back from the land of the enemy. Why? I agree with that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I agree with that. that that's what that word means. It, it, mean, it means come into agreement. But you say, Pastor Robert, how do I come into agreement with that? It means this. Watch this. This is what it means. It means our mouth needs to be in agreement with our heart. In other words, our words need to be in agreement with God's word. So when God is in your now, but he is also in your next, and between your now and your next seems inconsistent, you got to speak the consistency of God's word. At the end of the day, you may not see it, but you need to say what God has saw. Not what you're seeing because we don't walk by feelings. We don't walk by sight. Come on, somebody. We walk by what? We walk by faith. And faith goes beyond sight. God, faith goes beyond reason. Faith goes beyond my feelings. Faith goes beyond my intellect. Faith goes beyond my ability. I can move mountains with faith. All I got to get is my heart to agree with my mouth. And when I speak it, Mark 11 verse 23, speak to that mountain, doubt not with thy heart, but whatever you say you shall have. What am I saying? I'm saying the consistency of God's word. In other words, in other words, there's life after the letdown.
you can have a letdown. That's not your choice. But to stay down is your choice. Hear me tonight. You don't have, I, I tell people all the time, you don't have a choice on what wildernesses you go through. But you do have a choice how long you stay there. What took the children of Israel, 11, what should have took them 11 days, took them 40 years. It wasn't God's choice for them to be there for 40 years, but it was God's choice to take them through the wilderness. So you don't have a choice on what wildernesses you go through, but you do have a choice how long you stay there. You don't have a choice to have a bad day. Because he declared, this is the day the Lord hath made, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But you can't control having a bad moment. You can't control having a bad moment, but it's your choice to take that bad moment and turn it into a bad day. Just like you don't have a choice that you may be let down, but it's your choice to stay down. So you got to get yourself back up. The Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times. But the difference is he'll get himself right back up. The only difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man is a righteous man can get himself back up, but an unrighteous man needs someone else to get him up. So there's always life after the letdown. But our mouth needs to line up with God's word. I don't need to be speaking my feelings. I speak the word. The Bible says, declare such a thing and so shall it be established. You declare you're depressed, guess what happens? Depression gets established. You declare, oh, well, everyone's against me. Well, then guess what? Everyone's going to end up being against you. Well, I, you, know, you declare, well, we don't have enough. Well, guess what? You ain't going to have enough. You got to call those things that be not as though they already are. You're not calling those things that be not as though they already are based on your ability. You're calling it because he said it. His word lasts forever. And so what traps us is not the now. It's not even the next. What traps us is when we get into the middle of inconsistency that we can't see far enough behind us and we can't see further enough what's ahead of us. And all we're surrounded with is inconsistency and this is why it's difficult to get the breakthrough that's needed. And this is what was happening in the times when Ezekiel showed up. There was so much word that was inconsistent that the children of Israel could not see behind them and they did not have a vision ahead of them. And they forgot about the consistency of God. There's times in your life that when you can't see what's ahead, you turn around and see what the Lord did behind you. You tell yourself, I remember when I was in that situation, but God delivered me out of that thing. 
I remember when, when I couldn't pay the bill and all of a sudden a check showed up and God supplied all my needs. I remember when my child was, was hooked on drugs and now all of a sudden he is saved serving in the God in God's house. What happens when, when you, what happens is you get from inconsistency to consistency and now you got enough faith to take another step because you know if God did it then, he does it now and he'll do it in the future because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, and he's the God that doesn't change. Well, Pastor Robert, what, 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 what do I need to do? How, how do I do this? Number one, let me give you something really quick, and then we're going to pray. Number one, when you can't see his fullness, focus on his faithfulness. When you can't see his fullness, focus on his faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. When you can't see the fullness, you got to trust in his faithfulness. Adam messed up. And the first time Jesus was ever mentioned was in Genesis chapter 3. Where God said, I'll send one who's going to crush the head of a serpent. God said it now. But what he had in mind, what was next. And in Genesis 3, he says, I'm going to send one who would crush the head of a serpent. And then all of a sudden, it began to unfold. And Isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of the peace of his heart, and by his stripes were healed. And then all of a sudden it got to Micah. And Micah said, oh, this old young boy would be born in Bethlehem. And then all of a sudden in Luke chapter 2, the baby was born. How is it that God said it way over there and it happened way over here? Because God has the ability to speak in the now what is your next and everybody was wondering between those 4,000 years, what is God doing? What is he up to? What's going to happen? And they couldn't see the fullness. But when they couldn't see the fullness, they would trust his faithfulness. They would understand that if God said it, he's consistent and he would get it done in Jesus' name. There's going to be times in your life you can't see it all, but God knows every step. Joseph, I'm going to give you a dream. You're going to be standing. He was 17. He takes his lunch to his brothers, and in the dream, he was standing. Second in charge of Egypt. He tells his brothers, and his brothers rip his coat off and throw him into a pit. He's in the pit wondering, Lord, I didn't see this in my dream. You didn't reveal this to me. But then all of a sudden, 
some Midianites come walking. They tell the brothers, say, hey, we got this guy in here. Do you guys want to buy him as a slave? They end up buying him as a slave, and they bring him to Potiphar's palace, which is an Egyptian. And all of a sudden, now he's in Potiphar's palace, and he's all alone. He's cleaning, and next thing you know, his wife comes in, tries to sleep with him. He denies it. He says, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm, I want to stay righteous. And then his wife falsely accuses him. Then next thing you know, he gets thrown into prison. And he's sitting there, and you never hear him going, God, what are you doing? It's never recorded that he's ever wondering what God is doing. But yet that prison wasn't revealed to him in his dream. But even while he was in the prison, he had no idea that if he just looked up, that'd be the actual place he'd be serving from. Because the prisons in those days were always beneath the palace of the king. Seventeen, you're going to be second in charge. Thirty years old, it comes to pass. But it wasn't revealed being thrown into the pit, sold out by his brothers falsely accused when he was trying to do something right and then all of a sudden he's in prison and he interprets the gifts of the baker and the butler and all he asks them is just remember me when you get out and they get amnesia come on you know what that feels like when you're helping somebody and then all of a sudden you need help and they know where to be found and then all of a sudden he gets promoted through the inconsistency God was consistent. And you can't allow what goes on between your now and your next to get the wrong view of God's word. Friends, if God said it, come on somebody, he's going to accomplish it. You don't walk by what you see. You don't walk by what you feel. But you walk by what you know. He's the God of Abraham. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the alpha and he's the omega and he's everything in between in Jesus' name. This is why when you ask God, God, I wish you would just show me. And God says, baby, if I showed you, you wouldn't even start. You would tell somebody, you would, you would tell me, go hell. You need, you need some, someone else need to do that. Could you imagine God telling Joseph, hey, Joseph, I just want you to know that you're going to be second in charge. But in order to do that, you can get sold out by your brothers. And then you're going to get falsely accused. And then, and then, and, and, and then all of a sudden, you're going you're gonna to use your gift. And you're going to help somebody else. But they're going to get amnesia and forget about you. You wouldn't have signed up for that. When you can't see his fullness, trust in his faithfulness. The second thing is that when you can't trace God, trust God. Did I just say that too fast? When you can't trace God, trust God. There's going to be times that you don't know what he's doing. You trying to figure it out, I'm a fast. And then you fast and you still are confused. 
I had a guy call me up a few days ago. He said, Pastor Obed, I need a fast. I said, okay, we're we on a 21-day fast, you know. He says, I'm, 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 I'm fasting water. I'm just going to do water. I said, did the Lord tell you to do that? Because I've done it for 40 days. And, he, and, I, and, and by the time I was done, I looked like a skeleton. He said, I said, did the Lord tell you that? He goes, no, nah, I'm just, I'm going through some things. I said, okay, what, what are you going through? And he starts telling me, and in my mind, I'm going, bro, you, you don't need a fast water for that. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, do some chicken broth or something. <laughs> he says, and he said this, Pastor Ben, I, 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 I don't understand what God is doing. I said, why does that bother you? I said, you're asking the wrong question. I'm asking you, why does it bother you? And he says, man, I never thought about that. Because I just want to know where I'm going. I said, I wouldn't be concerned about that. What I would be saying is I just want to hold his hand and be led. <laughs> see, see, at the end of the day, when you can't trace God, you got to trust God. Because there's going to be seasons you're walking and you ain't knowing what God is doing. You can't figure it out. You think it's one thing and then that door closes. And then you think it's another thing and that person dogs you out. And then it's, it's another thing and it never comes to pass. And you just end up getting frustrated and disappointment and going down that abyss of disappointment. And you're sitting and God is saying, no, no, no. See, you're going through a season in which I'm trying to teach you. You ain't in control. It's why in Luke chapter 5, one of the first lessons that Jesus gave to the disciples, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He's like, Lord, we've been fishing here the whole time. He says, no, 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 no. Y'all been in shallow waters. You in shallow waters because your feet can touch the ground. And if your feet can touch the ground, you in control of where you want to be. But if you actually go into the deep, your feet can't touch the ground, which means you can't be in control, which means you have to be moved by the current. He was trying to teach them that there's a greater force that's going to come upon you called the Holy Spirit. That's going to be a current that can lead you when you're no longer in control. And so... When you can't trace him, trust him. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. He just won't tell you. He'll show you. He will reinvigorate your vision. And realign it. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing because we're too focused on what we want to see. And our sight is on the wrong thing. And so, of course, he blocks every way for you to get there. Because it's never intended for you to go that path. That's why I tell my children all the time, you could be successful in everything that you do. 
but you'll never be a successful sinner because you're too marked. You got too much on you. You can see all your friends. Your friends be successful in all that kind of stuff. They go to the clubs, get favor. You ain't getting no favor at no clubs. Your friends will, but not you because you don't, you don't, you're not born for that path. You've been marked. You're called. You've been dedicated. As soon as I gave you to God, your fun was all over within the world. The purpose of God and the plan of God is now activated in your life. Number three as I close. God has proven that he can see our tomorrows when we're still in our today. God has proven he can see our tomorrows while we're still in our today. Matthew 6, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything that you need. Even when you've been disappointed. Even when you've been frustrated. Even when it seems like it's been too long. He said, I'm sending you a prophet, Ezekiel. And when I speak, it will come to pass. It will no longer be postponed. And what I'll say, I'll perform it. I believe that 2024 is a unique year. It is a year in which we are going to hear a lot of promises. Anytime there's an election year, it's always a year filled with promises. It doesn't matter if you're red, blue, or white, or in, me, or in my case, you brown. I like to say I'm cinnamon. It don't matter. They're all telling promises and then what happens is you believe it I believe it only to get let down disappointed frustrated and then you're like well I'm going to try someone else because they telling me they're going to do it only to be disappointed, frustrated. Until you wonder, what am I going to base my life on? Do I want to continue to live my life on promises that don't come to pass? Am I getting caught up in inconsistencies and not putting an anchor in what's constant? Is this going to be another year that 
You'll listen to what is sweet to your ears by people telling you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. Are you going to sit there and still punish your future for the mistakes of your past? Are you still going to have another year telling yourself you ain't good enough? It won't happen. You're not qualified. Nobody would recognize you. And you put a lid of limitation over your life. And those words that come out are only words that at one time was placed in. There's life after a letdown. Could you imagine Peter? The Lord looks at him and says, you're going to deny me three times. No, Lord, I won't. I won't. No, no, no. You will. No, no, no. I won't. You will. And when the third time it happens, the crow is heard. Could you imagine the letdown? out that he's crucified and he runs and hides into a room knowing that there's an assignment on his life knowing that he has been more prepared than anybody else yet because of disappointment and a letdown he would put it all on a shelf he would begin to allow the inner voices to speak to him. You had your chance. You missed your moment. And all of a sudden, being in this room locked up with the other disciples, having no hope, disappointed in themselves, fear of moving forward Jesus resurrects and when he's walking he runs into Mary and he she thought that he was a gardener because the last time she saw him he was crucified but he spoke her name my sheep would know my voice. She stopped and said, Jesus? He said, yes. Take me to the disciples and Peter. Could you imagine what it was like when Jesus walked into the room and people said, Jesus is here. Peter. probably wanted to tell Jesus I blew it, I messed up 
but there's no recording to that. I believe what took place was in that room Jesus looked at him and says, I know there's a letdown, but there's always life after it. And I could just imagine Jesus looking at Peter and says, I am the life that comes after you're let down. And Peter at that moment probably got the boldness then to one day the Holy Spirit falls and when he couldn't even witness to three people, he would have the life after the let down to preach to 3,000. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that your day is today. That there's life after a letdown. That if I came here to tell you something, it's this one thing. Your greatest days are ahead of you. All you have to do is get up and trust God all over again. And if you will get up from your feet and say, God, my worst days are behind me, but my best days are ahead of me. Because even in the inconsistency, you've been a constant God to me and I'm going to get up and I'm going to rise. I'm going to fulfill the vision and the goals and the dreams. That devil's not going to have the last laugh. I'm going to get up in Jesus' name. Come on, you ought to give God a praise in the house today. There's a breakthrough that's happening right now. There's some dreams being resurrected. There's some hopes that are aspiring. There's some eyes that are being opened once again. That I got a vision. I can dream. I'm not going to allow my setbacks. I'm going to allow my setbacks to come to have, have a comeback in Jesus' name. It's you today. It's you today. It's you today. The Spirit of God is here. He was here during worship. He's even here now. He's here today. All day today, I was praying in the spirit. And the Lord says there's so many people here tonight that they're blinded by disappointments. And because they're blinded by disappointments, it will rob them from their divine appointment. God's not finished with you, even though some people are. people you thought would be with you they're not the people you thought that would never hurt you they did the people you put your trust in only for it to fall short you valued your future now you can't even see it. You had dreams. You would talk about them. You'd wake up and think about them. But one disappointment after the other began to chip away at what you once saw. There's some Peters here tonight that God is saying, I sent this cinnamon looking guy 
to come and tell you there's life after a letdown. And the facts may be true, but they are not final. Where the devil try to put a period, God's going to turn it into a comma. It's a pause. It's a delay. It's an opportunity for you to have a turnaround right now and sit there and say, I'm getting back on course. I'm getting back on action. I'm getting back to the place I once was. Come on, I'm starting the year off right. I'm leaving all that disappointment behind me. I'm headed towards the divine appointment of what the Holy Spirit has for me in Jesus' name. Listen, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because we're going to pray for you today. And if you're here today, I feel the spirit of God. I ain't even going to wait because tears are already rolling down people's eyes right now. There's breakthrough happening. Listen, I'm telling you, you're getting delivered from your own self right now. You're getting delivered from your insecurities, your inferiorities. You're getting delivered from your own letdowns right now, your own disappointments. Some of you have been punishing yourself, saying, I should have never put myself in that situation. I was warned. I was told. I heard. And God says, no, no, get rid of all that right now come on this is a new day today I'm opening up brand new doors for you right now if you're here today and you say Pastor Obed that's me it's me right now you're speaking to my soul right now you're speaking to my spirit right now on the count of three I'm gonna ask you to get out of your seats come to this altar come on we're gonna lift our hands we're gonna worship we're gonna lay hands on you and the spirit of God's gonna arrest that very situation that you've been holding yourself imprisoned with you're coming out today in Jesus name come on one Come on, people already, two, come on, you ought to hurry up and get up here. Three, whatever it is, you're saying, Pastor Obed, it's me. I need a breakthrough right now. I need the spirit of a breakthrough today. In the name of Jesus, my life, my life right now, my life right now, my life right now. I'm telling you, God wants to do it right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, you ought to lift your hands and thank him right now. Thank him that he's going to turn your mistakes into miracles right now. He's going to take your brokenness and he's going to turn it into his blessedness right now. Come on, he's about to turn your situation around. The devil thought it was the final, but God always has the last word. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus, tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we telling the devil tonight, you should have held me down. You should have you, you you held me down. But I'm coming up today and I'm rising up once again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, we're going to start praying for folks right now.
of the goodness of God. Sing it out all my life.